Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the fiscal, financial, and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're talking about courageous conversations with Colleen Best, DVM, PhD, CCFP. I'm your host, Kim Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you in 2022 by Carrot Credit. Dr. Best's PhD research focused on relationships in equine practice, including veterinarian client and referring veterinarian specialist communication. Dr. Best operates her own business, Best Vet Coaching and Consulting, in Ontario, Canada. Thank you, Dr. Best, for joining us today to talk about courageous conversations. Thanks, Kim. I'm happy to be here. In an article that you wrote for Equimanagement on this topic, You said, and I quote, I prefer to think of conversations in which difficult news is shared as courageous conversations rather than conversations in which bad news is delivered. So can you explain a little bit of that to us between the courageous conversation and just delivering bad news? Yeah. And for me, I think some of this is a fundamental shift involves sort of recognizing what's happening. If we think about delivering bad news literally think about like a courier dropping something at someone's front steps. So literally it's like, I have something for you. You know, it, however, however it came to be that you ordered it or it was headed your way, such as it is, but I'm going to drop it and go. My job was strictly to deliver it as opposed to in a courageous conversation where there's, there's this interactive dynamic partnership piece And again, I think that sometimes we do say like, oh, I have to tell them something, right? Whether it's a client or a staff member or anyone in our lives, oh, I need to like deliver this news. And while that may be true, I think that we diminish our role and our power and the potential if we think about it, I just need to sort of dump and run versus, hey, this is probably complicated. Right. Like whatever pieces of it, especially around bad news, especially if we think it's going to be upsetting for someone else, like this is complicated. And so when we ask ourselves, like, what's my role? Well, if I'm delivering bad news about, you know, a patient outcome, like a patient diagnosis, my role is, yes, to tell the client what the blood work said or the ultrasound showed or, you know, results of the X lab, et cetera. But then it's to help them like problem solving for us to create a path forward together. And again, with, with our teams, we think I I might have some feedback for one of my team members, but for me to think that it's only my side of the story that matters, right. Or I have a package, but they probably have some information around what happened, some feelings, some thoughts. And so to focus solely on me delivering ignores the needs of the other person. So by turning it into a conversation, we really start to recognize that both people are important. Both people need to contribute. Both people have some stuff to work through to get to the other side. That's a a very good description. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. And you had also mentioned in what you were just saying that, okay, so this may be the conversation maybe with a client. Or it may be with a staff member. 
And sometimes I think we forget when we're telling staff members things that maybe it needs to be a conversation instead of a delivery. I, I think this one is really important to acknowledge. And when we think about what is meaningful for any type of team member or even for ourselves, one thing that most people need to a certain extent is some control over their own, right? Some autonomy. And so when we're sharing feedback or when we're sharing, again, the, the outcome or the decision after a request, it's not a very good feeling to think that, you know, that's it. Like this is the news and we're done here. That's not collaborative. It's not collegial necessarily. It doesn't support the other person's understanding of why a decision was made. It doesn't help you understand the impact of the decision, which may in turn like a have downstream consequences <laughs> or like, or it might have immediate consequences. Oh, I didn't realize that when you asked for that vacation time, it was because your sister's getting married. Um, yes, it was inconvenient, but now that I know that, we will make another plan because I would hate for you to miss that critical event, you know, or you're needed to babysit your, your, you know, one of your nephews while your sister's giving birth or something like there are times when we make a decision or we think we have a package to deliver based on an incomplete set of information. So if we get focused on the delivery, it's like not checking the, the packing slip when it comes right. And then you're like, I didn't order this like shoot <laughs> and again there can be short and long-term consequences so when we focus on a conversation we start to help manage the relationship in a more meaningful way we decrease the risk of negative consequences and even if the answer isn't what somebody wanted hopefully we're mitigating fallout that's Perfect. So how do you ahead of time set the stage and think about the content of a conversation that's not going to be maybe accepted very well, whether it's a client or a staff person? You know, one of the first things I look to do is I look to manage myself because we all tell stories in our heads. It's like just part of life. And I will often tell a negative story about how I think someone is going to respond. And if I don't challenge myself about that story, then I'm already putting negativity out into the world about how that conversation is going to go. So I try to sort of, again, question myself and say, well, this could go any number of different ways. And we're going to focus on being responsive, compassionate, empathetic throughout. I also really look in that sort of setting myself up to look at what, what am I responsible for in the equation? I tend towards the over-responsible side of things. And so one of the consequences of that is I start to own more things that are mine. Yes. And when I own more things that are mine, I also try to control more things than are mine. And so Going into a courageous conversation, there are things I can control, like how I show up when we have the conversation and and so on. I cannot control how the other person responds. And oftentimes, especially with clients and our, and our patients, like 
I can't control what I have to say. <laughs> like that's like crap. The horse did their suspensory. Like I, I, that was not in my control. So I try to help myself remember that so that I don't get stuck in a guilty, like sort of shame spiral in the conversation, because that doesn't help me put the focus where it needs to go, which is onto the client and the horse, you know, like whatever that is, the, my focus doesn't need to be on how crappy I feel. Yeah. So again, I try to first things first, I try to manage myself because that's, that's who I have control over, which I remind myself of sort of on an hourly basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those, those negative uh, pre conversations in your head are always difficult to then Make yourself stop, rewind and say, OK, I need to go into this more open and sympathetic and listening, which I'm so guilty of. Yeah. And, it, all and then I think especially when we sort of know the other person, whether it's a teammate or a long term client, we're like, I know this is going to be really hard. And when you start to use the word no, it's a bit of a warning light, right? We don't know things. We frankly, we assume or we imagine we believe but it's a good time to be like, this might be difficult. I am going to be prepared. I, my Kleenex box is never far, right? I will be prepared for a strong emotional response. It's a good idea. I am not going to own it though, right? I'm going to own my piece, which is showing up, being the best vet, being the best sort of supportive teammate that I can. Um, I also think that attending to timing is really important. And even sometimes who's in the room, depending on, again, my thoughts or my ideas around how the news is going to be received. Sometimes it is. Okay, well, is the barn manager going to be there for the owner? Because my job is not, you know, my job is some emotional support in the moment, but I am not someone's permanent everyday support. So again, thinking about sort of who needs to be there. Um, and especially for me sometimes, hey, am I leaving something to the end of the day that is either going to wreck my whole day leading up to it? Or is it is it going to be everyone's too tired and trying to get out the door at the end of the day? Or is it best done at the end of the day so a, a, a teammate um, can go home and have some quiet time and not have to be at work after having some uncomfortable news. So there are lots of different, and, and again, I don't think there's any right way, yeah. but I think there are ways to be intentional around how we sort of create space. And I think that's really important we need to create some space for the conversation. Again, so that it's a conversation, it's not a, it's not a dump and run. Because if we don't create space, then sometimes we are stuck at dump and run, and again, negative consequences for everybody. Yeah, that's that's a, a great way to put it. So also, I know that you're very big on nonverbal, what is not said in these type of conversations. So how do you kind of get yourself ready for that? And, and what do you need to think about as far as nonverbal cues that you're giving to either clients or coworkers when you have to give them some news, you know, they're not going to be happy about? Yeah. And I and I think this is important to appreciate that we have nonverbals when we're face to face. We also have nonverbals when we're on the phone. On the phone, we have our paraverbals 
of our speed of speech, our tone, et cetera. So don't think that you can escape the nonverbal situation by doing a phone call. It does not work that way. But, you know, I mentioned earlier sort of the negative stories I tell in my head about how it might go. One of the critical reasons I need to manage those is because they will shine through on my nonverbals. So our nonverbals tell a story of our emotions and our verbal, our words tell a story of our sort of purposeful thoughts. And when they don't align, people trust nonverbals. So if I have an underlying like, oh, this is going to go badly, it's going to blow up in my face, they're going to yell at me, I am likely to create some of that non-verbally with hesitation, with a lack of confidence, with, you know, again, shirking or shrinking away, as opposed to if I if I can find a way and again, as you know, someone who's pushing 40, my imagination is not as strong as it once was. But if I can engage my imagination, think of a way for the conversation to go well, you know, even with crying, even with tears. But, you know, we found we find our way through it and they feel, you know, sort of safe and secure and heard. And I feel like I, you know, we were able to have a meaningful conversation that helps to set my nonverbals up for success. So. Again, that minute and and I also do silly things like I'll power pose. Um, if you haven't seen the TED talk by Amy Cuddy, I suggest you have a look um, or, you know, I'll, I'll take some calm breaths like I will leverage mind body techniques. I will I will watch a silly YouTube video. Um, I will try if I'm really upset. Sometimes the timing means that I need to wait. So. Someone once told me, again, I'm from Canada, so we take our we take our hockey quite seriously. <laughs> um, and they said, like, the coaching rule and the parent rule in kids hockey is if there's an incident, all you're allowed to say for the first 24 hours is I would like a meeting. That is all. <laughs> and sometimes I think that's a meaningful, it's a meaningful lesson, meaningful thing to take away. Like, I'm really worked up. This is not the time. Or if it's a patient that, you know, has a special place in my heart and we get bad lab results, but it's not, you know, like it's not time sensitive. I might take overnight to process it and I might call the, you know, might find a time to talk about it. Like, again, so I'm not still feeling like I'm going to cry and I'm not coping. Right. So. Again, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves so that we can be that responsive partner with the other person. Um, you know, we found our stability um, can be important. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. And let's let's talk about something you and I had, had talked about this before, partnership conversations or co-creating solutions you have mentioned. Let's define that and talk through that a little bit. So partnership is sort of one of my favorite 
It's one of my favorite things to think about in communication, but also, you know, in practice and in teams, which is the sense that, you know, let's think with clients. So with clients, they're definitely not the veterinarian. There is a power differential between the two of us, even even with the most tricky client. You know, they are they are not a veterinarian. So it's really important, you know, if and when we have difficult news, whether that's, you know, relating to an injury, relating to the cost of care, you know, relating to declining a request. But it's this idea of even though you I'm going to tell you something that you didn't want to hear, right? Like I don't have, I don't have what you wanted. I'm still here with you. We're still going to sort it out. And like, we can find our way through this. So again, if we think of delivery courier, I'm just going to drop this on your step. And I'm, and so you're left holding this really tough news, no idea what to do with it. And you're on your own. And, you know, then you probably start crowdsourcing, right? And you start Googling and start doing whatever else. The difference between, you know, that and, you know, a conversation, which is, hey, I'm coming to you. And yeah, maybe we need to open because it's been really anxious. You know, I have results for you say like, hey, Dr. B, like what, what's happening? And I'm like, you know, really bad news. You know, it's this, but then I'm going to stand there with you. They're like, I know, I know this wasn't what you wanted. And I think there are probably lots of things we need to talk through right now about what might be what might be coming. Right. What this might mean, you know, to maybe your daughter who wanted to go to Young Riders, like to all of the other pieces. But I'm here with you. You're not on your own. And the same with a team member. You know, we want our teams to be supported. Even when, again, there's a power differential if, if we're the boss or, again, we're, we're the vet, right? If we're, if we're not the boss, we're still the vet. But there are still some ways to talk through what's happening, right? And to say, like, okay, well, maybe we need to make a plan so that it's different in the future. Um, maybe you need something different from me. So in many courageous conversations with team members, when they're around feedback or sharing something, Part of partnership to me means I the acknowledgement that I have learning to do too. And whether it's learning about what was going on for the other person, what they needs, what, what their needs are, were, you know, and how I can best meet them. Delivery person says, I did my job. <laughs> my job was just giving this to you. Partnership says, hey, we're going to work through this together. And in a team setting, part of that for me is acknowledging I might have some work to do here too, because maybe we did get the orders mixed up. <laughs> you know, maybe I did misunderstand, maybe lots of things, but in a team, it's important that we work through that. And so partnership says, I'm committed to being here with you and just seeing this through with you. Even if it is just standing here with you while you work through some, some tough emotions, right? But I'm here. And we'll find our way. You're not alone. It's a really powerful thing. That is great. And, and how does that, how does empathy fit into this? Empathy is almost the center of my universe. From the standpoint of, it's sort of the culmination of so many important things. So when we seek to be 
empathetic. And again, from a communication standpoint, it starts with curiosity. It starts with, hey, what is the other person's experience? And not what is the other experience, person's experience from my perspective, but from their perspective. So it requires asking questions, requires listening. And then the flip side is offering them support based on what you understand about their situation. So, you know, again, for me, part of empathy is this sort of tacit acknowledgement that I don't know what their experience is. Even if they're my road tech and we're in the truck all the time, I still don't know with certainty what's going on for them until they tell me. And even then, there are probably some things they're not going to tell me. And that's okay. But I need to ask. I need to be open to hearing about it. It's really important to acknowledge that empathy is not agreement. And empathy is also not, um, doesn't negate sort of a consequence or a change in behavior. So we can say like, hey, that sounds really tough. And my kids are, are four and six right now. So we have all feelings are okay. Cool. All feelings. Any emotion you've got, totally fine. All actions are not okay. So hitting your brother when you're angry, pass. Nope, not good. Throwing something, also unacceptable. But the frustration that you felt, very acceptable. So again, sometimes empathy is about understanding the underlying pieces, acknowledging those so that we can get to what now. That acknowledgement releases some of the intensity around those feelings and allows for sort of the logical thought to follow. When we don't acknowledge the person, you know, is sort of still alone, still in their silo and can sometimes just be stuck in that tough place. And even though we might really want to get to, how do we move through it? How do we solve this? Without the acknowledgement, without the empathy, it's unlikely that they're going to be ready to join us on the planning forward side. I used to try and teach my, my girls that they had decisions, you know, yes, they can feel upset, they can feel angry, they can feel needy, they can feel whatever, but there's a consequence to what they decide to do about that. And the consequences can be good or bad, but they have to own those consequences from their decisions. So it, that's, that's hard, but I think it, it sets, it set me up better, I think, as a manager to be able to talk to staff about, okay, well, you chose to come in late three days this week. That was your choice. You've given me no reason why you've done this. You know that you're supposed to be here at eight o'clock because I need you answering the phones. And the, the consequence of that is, you know, you're going to have something go in your personnel file or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, the conversation that goes along with that is important. Well, my kid's been sick. My sitter's been sick. My husband left, whatever mm -hmm. you know, needs to there needs to be room for that. But her job is still to show up at eight o'clock. And if she can't, you know, the consequences are still going to be there. So how do we work through this in order to allow you to have that room, but still cover the duties of the job? 
the the both and can be hard to hold. Yeah. Right. It's the both and. So, oh my god, like, hey, you've been late three times this week. What's going on? That's not like you. Okay. So we're starting a conversation. Yeah. Awesome. And they say, um, you know, like. Yes, my it's it's been COVID, right? So daycare has been closed. My partner's been planting. Like I've just been really stuck. I'm really sorry to hear that. Like that must be you must be feeling like pretty stressed out. I know your job's important to you. Yeah, I I have I am I I've been really worried. Okay, how can how can we figure this out? Um, and it might be. And again, this is the tricky part of sometimes bad news is out of our control sometimes it's within our control so you might need to decide huh in light of this additional information around why this person has been late am i going to put a note in their file or not and either way either way is fine you do still want to work through it constructively because it's not the same as being ready for them to walk out the door and so we also don't want someone who's having a hard time to feel not heard to feel not cared about and to sort of to start checking out right well if they if if they're going to be hard-nosed about it then i'm going to start looking for a new job i'm going to be disengaged i'm not going to care they don't care about me i don't care about them that's that's in the vast majority of cases that's not what we want right because that also starts to build toxicity for our entire team so we want to think about how you know, the decisions we make, and it may be, uh-huh, but we also went through this last year, the year before, so the letter's going in, but I do want them to know that I do really care, you know, that I'm a working mom too, that I understand these things aren't easy, and we plan forward, so they do feel supported, right, and we've worked through what can feel like insurmountable problems on their own. Okay, so do you need to come in, like, do you need to come in at nine o'clock next week for the week? Because that's what, you know, and then we'll get back to, we'll check in at the end of next week and we'll see if we can go back to eight. Mm. And that might, you know, like, how do we sort it out together? Because again, sometimes we can accept an immediate bad consequence. Sometimes we can't. And sometimes we do a little bit of both. We, you know, we put a job ad out quietly and we try to work the problem at the same time. Yeah. And, and again, there's so many different scenarios. I just threw that one out there because, um, you know, it, it's real these days. There's so it's many real. people that have other issues going on in their life that even though our company, you know, you need someone at your front desk answering the phone at eight o'clock. So how do you figure that out? Knowing that this person, like you said, has issues that you didn't even know about because they didn't tell you. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's that both and right. Hey, this is hard. I, I care about them. I care about my business too. And maybe it is we'll forward phone, we'll forward the calls to your phone, right? There, there are lots of creative solutions, especially in the current labor market, which should not underestimate how difficult the current labor market is making things. We can still be empathetic and hold someone accountable. Yes. Empathy and responsibility are not mutually exclusive. It's simply accountability and responsibility in a space of caring. And that, again, like my little kids, right? Like, no, you cannot throw this at your brother. 
I didn't stop loving you though. I didn't under, like I did, I did get that he baited you. <laughs> and like this was complicated. It doesn't make it okay. Right. But I can see how this happened and it's hard and we need to troubleshoot going forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So is there anything else that you would like to talk about Dr. Best when it comes to these courageous conversations? And I love how they're titled that because it is courageous to know that you're not going to go in and just dump bad news and leave, that you are going to participate while not taking the burden of it yourself. I mean, that's, that's, that's a hard line. It's a really hard line. And I think some people laugh at the idea of a courageous conversation. And they're like, really? Like courage is such a, is a, they sort of put it up on a pedestal to be like, in case of emergency, break glass for courage. I'm over here like, man, every day takes courage. Like this is, so I think it's important to appreciate that courageous conversations happen all the time. And it's helpful to recognize them and put some intentionality around them. I also think that, you know, this idea of courageous conversations does start within ourselves. And especially when it comes to things or our ideas or challenges around boundaries or the teams we work in, one thing that has become increasingly apparent to me is this idea that when I, when I go down, frankly, one of my favorite paths, which is discretion is the better part of valor. God knows I love it. I say it a lot. There are times when not having a conversation has really unfortunate consequences. And sometimes those consequences are mine. Like now I have a bad feeling because someone, you know, I didn't like being treated this way or I'm working late or I've missed this important thing in my life. Or again, in a team where I don't want to say bad behavior because again, no one here is a child, but whether it's um, an inappropriate workplace behavior or something else goes unaddressed, there are not only consequences for your relationship with that team member, but the entire team who is now having to manage that type of behavior in a workplace setting with no consequences. So I have been getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable and appreciating that I need to own what is my responsibility for my, you know, my workplace environment, my client relations and so on to the point that, Hey, people aren't mind readers. They don't know how I expect to be treated or frankly, what the impact of their behavior is on me. So some of that courage is also the courage I need to stand up for what I need, <laughs> like to say, oh, hey, in this situation, you know, this comment, this equation, this work, this dynamic is harming me. And harm is a big word and I used it on purpose, but, you know, this has negative consequences for me and I'm going to dig in, find some courage, ditch discretion for a minute and say, I believe I've used my imagination to believe that this could be different and I would like it to be different. So now I'm going to create an opportunity for better things are yet to come um, by having this conversation. 
And again, no one likes people who reframe challenges as opportunities. They get branded as irritating optimists. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to throw out there that (laughs) it is possible that by digging in and finding some courage that you can change something you thought wasn't able to be changed. And that, I think, is an area of growth for me. Um, but is, is just something important to consider when we're saying like, huh, do, do I pick this up or do I not? So it's, it's worth thinking about. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Best. And thank all of our audience for joining us for the Business Practice Podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit, for giving us the space to talk about some of these issues. And I'm going to close by uh, a quote from this article that uh, Dr. Best had written in Equimanagement. And and if you go to equimanagement.com and look up this podcast, I will put a link in there to that article if you want to read more about courageous conversations. But Dr. Best said, sharing difficult news is never easy and courageous conversations require courage. No matter how many skills you use or how well prepared, Dr. Best reminds us to take our time, set the stage effectively, establish partnership, and be empathetic. And that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. That's part of our growth for ourselves. And it's okay when it's not perfect. Like says the communication person, just just in case you're in case you're curious, sometimes there's no feeling good at the end. There's just feeling okay, or there's less hangover than there might have been. And that doesn't mean you did a bad job. It means you're human and we have a tough job to do. That's true. And again, thank you very much for joining us. And we invite everybody to to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network to hear each episode of the Business of Practice. And if you have any questions or suggestions, contact me uh, via email at kbrown, that's the letter K brown, at equinenetwork.com. Thank you for joining us. 